Hi everyone and welcome back to Getting There the Podcast with me, Brogan. Today I sit down with Rachel Bruno Hardy as we discuss what it was like having her father as heavyweight champion of the world, how she's begun to carve out her career away from her dad's identity, her upcoming sporting challenges and the lesson she's learned that she doesn't want to pass on to her children. Join me as we sit down for a very interesting episode. coming here today. Thank you for having me. So normally I'd like I ask my guests to introduce themselves so without any further ado Rachel Bruno Hardy can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I am Rachel Bruno Hardy Um, people obviously know me I'm the daughter of the legendary Frank Bruno Um, but also I am a PT online and in person as well personal trainer. Amazing so I don't think we can go any further than you without touching on it. Yeah. Daughter of Frank Bruno I think, I mean, we had this conversation offline because what's going on out at the minute, isn't it, is all like the fury stuff and the camps. And I think it's the first time we're starting to see a real insight of like what actually goes on behind the scenes. So can you tell me what it was like? I mean, your dad fought for 14 years, didn't he? Heavyweight champion of the world. Mm -hmm. What was life like for you in the midst of that fame, fortune and his boxing? So I think obviously naturally everyone feels like a daughter of the legendary Frank Bruno's celebrity status is all roses and amazing, which don't get me wrong, there were lovely moments. There were some beautiful moments. I'm really grateful for the life I had, but there was a lot of darkness, I think, with his career um, and his fame uh, came a lot of dark darkness and, and trauma and um, especially him publicly openly talking about that he has bipolar. That was quite hard to grow up being a teenager, growing up with a dad with bipolar, but also in the public eye as well. So, um, but there was some beautiful moments. When you go back and look at it, it was lovely, but there was also a lot of trauma. In those 14 years of him fighting, so I recently watched your dad and me documentary, which by the way, is amazing. So we need to start a little poll to get that back out because it's so prevalent, especially now. But um, I watched young Rachel in a bedroom and your dad was filming you and he was like, I'm off to camp and you just like, broke down and you cried and what I really want to touch on today is those 14 years when he was in the height of his fame what did life look like for you so what what were the camps like what were the impact it had on the family did you have relationships with paparazzi how did that work yeah so we weren't allowed to go to his camps like he would do like six months camps at a time six months because he had to be in that mindset of um being away from the kids you've got to be in that fighting mindset so he would be away a lot and we weren't really allowed to go and see him um, so I think I remember that clip because it's been used a few times and it, it, I'm not good at goodbyes now. I don't like goodbyes. Um, I used to struggle a lot when my dad used to go cause we'd have him for a little bit at home and then he'd go again. So it's like just, there were moments obviously of like, we could breathe if he'd gone cause he's, he was quite regimented growing up. He was quite strict. Um, and obviously his bipolar ways were quite manic to be around, but I still didn't like him going. Um, and but that was a sacrifice I know he had to do for us as kids to have the life we did. So I didn't know any different. But having him, he, he got to the top of his game, and having him there, it it was amazing. But I don't feel like he's ever 
settled and, and can be happy being a family man. And that's what the shame of it is. Like he, my dad got to the top of his game, the best of the best in his career. And that's all he ever wanted. But then he really struggled to be but present. But where do you go from there? And I know it's so silly, but like you look at Britney Spears, you're right. watching this stuff with Tyson Fury. You are the best in the world. Like yeah. it's like, it's almost like it's hard to come back down from like, where do you go from there? Were you allowed to go and watch him fight as a child? So the only fight I ever went and saw was him in 95, the one he lost to Tyson. Because I was nine, so I was young, so obviously my mum was trying to protect us. My sister went to a few more, because she was a bit, she was four years older, but went to that last fight. And um, it was kind of traumatic, because obviously I'm nine years old in Vegas. It was at the MGM Grand. You must remember um, it. See, I do. I've got such a bad memory, and I think I shut off a lot because uh, uh, um, in, in my childhood. So Trauma I do, responses. I think so, and I shut it off to be able to, it's a coping mechanism. Um, but that, it was, a, it, was, it was amazing, right? We got on, flew first class. We had all these amazing interviews and things, and obviously me and my sister carried the belt into the ring. Oh, don't, um, let's just maybe go cold. And, and it was, and you think, it was amazing. But like, we, I was nine, and I remember Tyson, because he was coming out first, because my dad had the belt, and he had a whole team of people around him shouting you the man you the man they pushed us out the way um didn't have a care in the world for us at all we were young we probably shouldn't have been there um and then we were in the ring and my dad lost and literally the press were like trying to get i was hysterical because i had this big cut in his eye my mum's cuddling me and um we had to just get my dad out of the country get him out because obviously that was the last fight he ever did and it was quite traumatic um, what was that like? He steps off the ring. Do you remember what he was he like? He was just so sad. He was. He, he knew that was it. He, he probably shouldn't, looking back, have done that fight so soon. Cause it was, but that was the only chop opportunity he had to probably... He had to take the opportunity at the time. So he wasn't prepared. He did lose. And he knew that that was the end. So you can imagine, like he's, he's, he won't have... He had to have stitches, wouldn't have it done there. We get back on... Um, I remember we flew Virgin... And everyone then found out Frank Bruno was on the flight. So then they had to put air hostesses in front of the curtain to stop people coming just to see him because he was so badly beaten up. Um, and I knew that day, my dad, he wasn't okay. He was down, which I get. You've just got to the top of the where you want to be. And um, that was the end of his career and the kind of downward spiral to... Um, because he wasn't allowed to physically fight on doctor's orders because no. he was going to go blind. He had a detached retina. It had already been operated on. So somehow he obviously managed to get the license to fight and things, but he shouldn't have done it because my dad's eyesight is terrible. Like, it's really bad. Um, but I think he knew in his heart, like, that was payday. That was the last opportunity to be in the ring. He had to do that. Also, I was watching this Ricky Hatton documentary actually recently and it was yeah. the same thing and when you watch they were just pushed by the teams Come because yeah. they don't become people. They become a business. A business. A brand. And, it, and uh, my dad was that. And the saddest thing is when you're in the height of that the team of people that you have around you is insane. As soon as you retire they're gone. And I think to myself where are they now? And it's like I've watched the Tyson Fury documentary and I've only just finished it last night because it really hit home. Like Tyson is openly, talks about his bipolar, which my dad didn't do back then. Only, only now is he aware of it. Um, and everything, his traits and the way he was live it to live with is so similar to my dad. The only difference with my dad actually was okay to retire um, and has been able to carve out a career but the saddest thing is Tyson isn't able to stop yet. And I think a lot of sports people probably must have that drive. Do you think the bipolar existed before the fall? Yes. Um, he's, I, I personally feel like 
he had it as a child. Um, he was a naughty kid, he, but it sent to boarding school, like a really naughty boarding school because his parents couldn't really didn't know how to handle him. I think had he been in this generation now, my dad probably wouldn't have been in the situations he got himself in, you know, but... Would have been supported differently. I think so, because I think, like, people, that like your parents, like, if my kids ever are faced with something in the future, like, I know how to deal with things now, because the conversation is open to it, but no one really knew what he was going through. Yeah, and I think, even going back, I mean, it wasn't that long ago you'd done the documentary, it was in 2014, mm. so just, like, under 10 years ago, I bet it was, it was probably a little bit heavy for people to look at. I mean, I watched you in the documentary... You felt awkward. I felt awkward watching it. You could see how vulnerable he was. And it's like, then people weren't having those conversations. And you can see, like, obviously from the conversations we've had, and even from watching the documentary, like, you're the one who's trying to communicate with people. But back then, there was so much shame and guilt. But you just touched on it. What was his childhood like? Did he have a level of trauma that you think that developed into this yeah, mental illness? I, I, I don't, so we've never had that conversation because I, I, I struggle to have the, like my dad, like with me, especially when we did that documentary, um, where, where it's hard to have them raw conversations. I, th- I, I, I want to say something has happened because I think things can stem from trauma, but he's never had that conversation with me, so I don't know. But something's got to have happened. It, it is a chemical imbalance. Um, and it does need to be treated a lot of the time, sometimes a medication. But my dad, um, when he let me do that documentary, like he had just come out of being, had been sectioned. So he was so heavily sedated in his low ebb, coming off a big mania high. So I was quite, I, I struggled to like watch it back because I was so. What made you do it? I wanted, I wanted to get closer to him. Um, it was a way to be able to sort of bond with him and make him be proud, but open up that conversation because I don't feel like there was a lot. There is a lot of help out there for the carers of someone with mental health issues, and um, just being able to sort of share our journey in the hope it might help someone else. Because when we were going through it as kids, there wasn't any help. We were hounded by the press. We were young. They were trying to get into the secure unit to film him, get the picture, get the shot. And it wasn't done nicely. So I just wanted to share our story to try and help people. Whose idea was it to do it? It was mine. I was approached by, I was approached by BBC Three first. And um, and obviously my dad, I think, originally was like, no. Because obviously he didn't, he's never shown that vulnerable side to no. the public. No and he's, ever... he's meant to be like an absolute weapon, like a man-destroying machine, a and, jawbreaker. And, and then all of a sudden it, he's crying on TV. Like Yeah, he was hunched over. He was really down, very heavily stated, slurring. Um... So I'm really ha- grateful that he let me do that. I am. And it was, it is still, like, I probably will go back and watch it because it's always like a bit of therapy yeah. to watch something like that um, for me. But I just want to try and spread awareness of mental health and just to know that people aren't alone if you are going through things like that because I think so many people suffer with mental health issues. How do you think it's impacted your life? It's made me stronger. Um, over the years, I've gone in waves. I think when I was younger, it affected me a lot. I probably... Uh, my college years went a bit wild because I didn't know how to cope with all these feelings and having a dad that you didn't know where he was at half the time because he, if he was in a manic episode, you didn't he wouldn't answer his phone or he'd, he'd lose the phone and he, we didn't live near him. So it did shape me and it has shaped me and I think um made me realise, like, for me in my relationships, I like a bit of security, like my husband. I like... um like He's my stable, he's my support and my comfort and my safety. I couldn't 
I don't think, I know it's really horrible to say, I don't think I could be in a relationship with someone who's got bipolar, because it is... Well, you all suffer the effect. So you what do, does yeah. a manic episode, or what did it look like to you back then? God, just like so erratic. Um, like little little things, that he he didn't sleep a lot, so then he'll be out in his music room all nights and extravagant buy-in to the point of like, you can't just have one thing, it'll be hundreds of like items um, in the house, like cars, clothes, just going down my local high street at one point in a really bad manic episode with no shoes on, weights around his ankles, which I asked him before and he was like, well, that's fine, I'm, I'm just working out. I had corns on my feet. Like, Dad, that's that's not really a normal behaviour. No self-awareness. No, and like, and actually at the time didn't know anything was wrong. Um, and so he has... thought there was nothing wrong with him going down Brentwood High Road with his weights on? Nothing, he thought nothing was wrong. Going for MP, which... I was about to talk to you that. Yeah. So in, a thou- in 2001, he took for... A conservative seat for Brentwood and Ongar yes. and his tagline was don't be a plank, plank and for vote for Frank. Yeah, honestly. So talk me through this. You're at home and he's like, Rach, I've come up with this great idea. Which I'm embarrassed. Like, can you imagine? You're, I'm young, right? Growing up, I'm, I'm in school. My friends are going, oh, I heard your dad's going up for local MP. Vote for, uh, don't be a plank, vote for Frank. And I'm like, he's a joker and I get that. He likes to make people laugh. But that, for me, that was embarrassing. Like, he's not really... I'm not putting him down, but I can't see him being an MP. Um, Whose really. idea was that? God, no, I, don't, I think it could be. His. It could have been his at the time. His mania. So, how far did he get with his? Thank seat? God, not far, because I think, yeah, not far. Just a couple of flies around Brentwood and on. Just a little, uh, yes, and that was that idea. Because again, ideas used to pop up, and uh, like, he's doing this, like similar to what Tyson's doing on his documentary. Like he come up with an idea, and it has to happen. Which, thank God, that got squashed. Well, going back to your documentary again that you did with it, I mean, I think it's amazing. And you were interviewing a guy who was super successful as well and has gone through a similar thing of yeah. losing it. And you asked him the question saying, did it help you get to where you were yeah. at? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, it's almost like a blessing and a curse. So yeah. from your experience and all the stuff that you've done on that documentary, do you think it's like a, this bipolar? Do you think it's like a nature over nurture? Do you think these kind of environments don't help like what I think I I do genuinely think a lot of successful high achievers have something because to be that driven and successful it's a motivation that not a lot of like standard people have so it's a blessing in a way if you can control it so when he was boxing the amount of training he was doing every day that masked it and kept it at bay a lot of the time then obviously when you've got to come back to earth and reality and obviously that stops all that fight camp and training that's when normal life you can't control those urges and obviously your mental well-being so I just it's and that man now sadly has passed now and it's like if you don't if you don't maintain and control your mania sometimes you can never come back from that like your brain is so damaged and exhausted that that you can't you can't repair that so it's not good to be in them levels of mania too long so I was watching so when you were talking to him and you went off camera and you were like, he's like a zombie and you asked him what meds he was on and he didn't even know. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that, is that a relationship like that with medication now? Has he had to continue that for the whole of his life? Is he still a zombie or has he got back no, into it? No, so he's not a zombie now. So he's now on, I don't know what he's on now, but he's on something that is just going to keep him at bay. Obviously he uses all his tools, his exercise, but he's, they have to put you that high, highly medicated when you, when you get sectioned. Because obviously he was in a mania where he wasn't sleeping for days. So had they not got him off that high, it's dangerous, right? You don't even know 
what kind of situations you're getting yourself into. Because so, I'm right in saying that the police actually tricked him and drugged him yeah. and he was violent to the police and took you seven hours to get him into an ambulance. That's the first time he was sectioned, yeah. That, and was, that was in 2001, right? Yeah. So that, 2003, yeah. sorry. I think that was 2003 that was. So, and they and by the time they'd take, taken seven hours, they had ambulance and the police there. Um, they, it created a hysteria with the press. So they were all outside. We had to of iron gates and things, but they were outside hounding. So then by that time... The kind of the chill um, section that we were hoping for for him wasn't the case. They did have to trick him. They did. I think they did. They don't do it now. It's all PC. You're not allowed to go and trip someone up and, and, and inject them now. But at that time, 2003, that was it's able. 20 years ago. I know. So that they, they could do that. And um, and I get it. He was scared. He'd ne- that was the first time he'd ever been sectioned. He'd. We tried to do the whole priory. We tried to do it the calm say go involuntary and then you could but he kept checking himself out and he wasn't getting the help he needed so for a lot of years after that um every time he's been ill our relationship is affected because once he comes around and he's off that high he's kind of down for a little while and blameful yep um yeah blameful doesn't didn't like us a lot and that's sad because i I, i've been reflecting on our relationship and it's gone in waves for years because he he gets angry at us. Because even if I would t- ring him and say, "Dad, you sound a bit manic today," he'd take offence to that. It's so interesting. So obviously, you and I have a parent who is mm. an alcoholic, and I've suffered with things like this my whole life, like having to put them into rehab facilities and things like that. And that just really landed with me. Like mm. what you said, it's waves, but you're dealing with people who have mental health in waves. I know. So it's like it's hard. But I know from my own personal trauma, like the amount of rehabs and things we've had to do with your life through my parents life and how it I actually think sometimes it affects especially children like when you're responsible for that person and it's like yeah the responsibility flips right and it weighs with you so heavy yeah and um how was that like how did you feel in 2003 when you went into it was hard um like I I know I'd, I'd met my husband who I'm with now at the time so um, thank God I had him. He kind of helped me through a lot of it. But I struggled because losing... My dad wasn't around w- with his career. That was that was obviously the choice he had to do to give us the life. But then he wasn't around when he, he retired. It was even worse because his behaviour was so erratic and up and down. It's like I had lost him again. And had I, I didn't realise, obviously, we're going to go on for a few years losing our relationship all the time, up and down. And it was just, it's just hard because... I don't have daddy issues. I worked a lot on it, but I just wish things had been a bit different, you know? Um, And I I want that to be different for my children. I don't want them to have an absent father. I don't want them to have um, stress-strained relationships because us as kids, we shouldn't have had to be the parent as, as, as we were a lot of the times. And that's a really sad, we had to grow up quite quick. Like I had to have a, a strong head on my shoulders all the time and it, it shouldn't have had to be that way and it's not just the person right it's everyone else about how was your mum in all of that hard like my mum would obviously gone was going through a high public profile divorce quite a traumatic turbulent marriage relationship and he is and was the love of her life they they are soulmates but just can't be together um and she stuck she stuck around she was there she even went to the hospital visited which she didn't have to do um because it did put her for a lot in the marriage um, so I had not only all of our siblings were trying to all deal when, when you're all so close and connected and struggling with stuff 
it, it's really hard because you just you just come to blows a lot yeah. as siblings and things. So it was tough. There was no one at home. We all lived together. There was not. We couldn't talk about it without getting into bust ups and fights. And it was it was a really stressful. Everyone's time. heightened, aren't they? So heightened. Well. And like even when he, how long was he sectioned for? I think it was it was the section which the which the um, my times and dates. Are so, so you wrong. were first sectioned in two thousand and three, and then. And that's like the standard section. Twenty twelve. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to say a couple of months. I'm going to say at least eight weeks he was in there that time. Um, were you was, allowed to see him? Yes, so we were. And um, and actually in that documentary, I went back and visited. It wasn't still there, the ward. But my dad was in an NHS hospital. Um, they had three three locked doors, like secure doors that you have to go in and lock it. Because obviously... They're going to try and get out. They are. But they're <laughs> yeah. all, and the weirdest and thing... You have to laugh. They're all waiting there at the door for you. All, and my dad was one of them. So they're all like... Zombied waiting I can there. laugh about this now because it was 20 years ago, right? But at the time, they're all like zombies waiting to say, help me. Like to get, get me out, out get of me here. out of here. And my dad was waiting there with them. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, and I even want one joke. My dad tried setting my sister up. With yeah, of, I was going to... Yeah. Yeah, so he was so off his head that he was trying to set your set sister up with the smoking area. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my God, this is like, is this the real... So is it up to... So when you're sectioned, yeah. I think it's... I've got it written here, something. It is um, one of the acts. Yeah. Um, when do they... Can you be infinitively sectioned yes. or... so 100%, yeah. So he's probably thinking... I might not even come out this. Yeah, and people don't. Like, people, they have the power over you. And I think that's what my dad was really angry that's with. That's what that I us as children decided to go ahead with this. But we tried everything. I honestly believe he wouldn't be here. I was about to ask you this. I honestly believe he, won't, he wouldn't be here if we hadn't done that section. Because his behaviour and what he was doing, um, he I, I believe, like, he would have ended up dead. Because... And we had to do that. And obviously someone at the time told him that we had done this, which I'm really angry for because that affected our relationship for years. He, We went in there and he was fuming. He was so angry. How can you do this to me? And all, I think he can see it now, but obviously we did that out of love. It's a lot to carry as well. So much. We did that out of love for him. Like, had we not done that, Dad, would you be here? No. Um, and uh, all your siblings, they all, they all have a... Friends with him? Yeah, yeah. We have different relationships, but because he lives so far away and he's a workaholic, and so what does he do now then? So he's he's got his own um, Frank Bruno Foundation, which amazing. is like non-contact boxing, which is amazing for children with mental health issues. Um, and then he does a lot of evenings with Frank Bruno, so he's constantly working in the evenings, and that would be the time I probably could go there because I work myself. Um, so at the minute we don't get to see him as much as we like, which I know we should all make time, but it's just really. Really difficult. I've got to a stage where I'm I'm in the process. I've got two young kids that are five year old and two year old, and I work, so I can't be on that motorway. No, and they need your attention for three hours every night just to go. So I'm trying. My goal for next year would be to try and get him nearer. Yeah. So we could then just pop in, give him dinner, pop round there. You know, um, it's a goal, but <laughs> let's see. You spoke earlier about um, this life of luxury that you lived led when you yeah. grew up, and I suppose financially and stuff did things change when he went downhill like well yeah because obviously so obviously my mum and dad weren't together but my mum was was we were we had still had a nice life it wasn't as what it was when we lived with my dad but things did change like he was spending fortunes even now to the point like if you actually probably honestly asked him like what how much money did you waste in your manic episodes on things It'd be crazy, and know that he's an adult, he can do what he wants with it, but um, wasted so much. And 
Has not, it taught you the value of money? Like, did you feel like you were spoiled growing up because you were the son of someone with no. all of this legacy or not? See, we weren't. I think because of my mum and dad's upbringing, we always had chores. We always were grounded. We never could get whatever we wanted. We were not, like, we had obviously nicer things and we lived in a lovely house and it's did extravagance. It's a beautiful swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah, we, we wow. had. We did have, the, like, an amazing life. Um, but we, we were grounded with that. We weren't, we, could, we couldn't just get what I wanted all the time. Um had to work hard for chores. Like I grew up having horses and I would get up at four, five o'clock before school, do them, do, get home do, and then compete on weekends. Like I had, I'm, I'm grateful actually, because they, they gave me the foundations and the morals and the, the some some tools that I would like to go forward in yeah, like mine. He could have almost children. gone the other way, gone like, Rach, take it, take it, take it, yeah, if he was being manic. But yeah, no, he didn't. But he, oh, he was he even tighter, disciplined. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or just yeah. more for me. Yeah. Can we just touch on that, interestingly? So, did, so obviously your mum's white, your dad's black. Yeah. 20, 30 years ago, would, did you suffer any, like, racism or things? Because, like, obviously, yeah. the world was a different place. 30, 40, well, I mean, imagine when they probably got together, what? God, that, How was... Years ago, so our mum, bless her, love her. Like, so, I mean, we used to go to Jamaica quite a lot because we had family out there. So, we'd go have a holiday and then, obviously... Get, take them to things uh, and give them gifts and take them things out there as well. But I remember once someone in Jamaica was like, oh, where's your mum? And I was like, oh, this is my mum here. They're like, no, that's the nanny. Where's your mum? And uh, because they, they couldn't fathom a mixed relationship. Yeah. Um. So there was a lot of race, racism growing up. I think even my dad's career, he got a lot of stick for marrying a white woman. But it's it's frustrating. Um. And we grew up in a predominantly white area. Like, we grew up in Ongar, so Brentwood. Yeah. We probably were the only... There wasn't a lot of black people in the schools that I went to, so I probably was the only mixed-race person. So it's quite tough. Um, Did you suffer any racism now? Yeah, I got yeah, I got caught. I got bullied at school. But I, I think more that was ignorance. Looking back, it, it was ignorance and the fact they thought I was something I wasn't, you know? Um, a bit of jealousy as well. I th- yeah, looking back, because the... the, 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 the Bully has actually later on apologised to me because she came into a place where I was working. Isn't um, that nice? Which is lovely, but I'm like, cheers. Uh, yeah, a little bit too late. At the time, <laughs> you had everyone in class like yeah. calling me the N-word. Lovely. Um, and the weirdest thing is I was the one who got told off for that because I said I was going to punch her face in. She called me the N-word. Um, and I said, okay, meet us and I'll punch her face in. And, and I, we, I went to a Catholic school and the, and the, the, the nun got a mum in the office and was, was like... She is um, the daughter of a boxer. That is his profession. So I find it really bad that she's using that term, punch. I know. And, uh, and so she's I, called you the N-word. N-word, and she got away with it. So um, that was just all little things. It was hard. Um, but it hasn't shaped me. I don't... I'm lucky. now. Nowadays, it's so much easier. There's, like, my kids are even more mixed. Like, my husband's yeah. white. So um, I'm hoping for the future they won't get. Yeah, and I think it's going back to just what you were saying before, like certain things obviously even like in the generation we live like when yeah. we went to school um you could could say them but couldn't say now and like i mean the uh, the paparazzi were like when your dad got arrested were like bonkers bruno locked Crazy. up yeah they, they could... had to reprint that day the <gasps> did back, they the backlash that they got cause my dad was the first celebrity to get sectioned ever like and publicly yeah um and they they printed bonkers bruno and they had so much backlash from the public that they had to reprint and apologise because obviously, and they had a picture of him with the ambulance. Yeah, I've the seen it. Car. Maybe yeah. we'll get it up on here. Yeah, when we, um, which was awful. And that I know we've come on leaps and bounds in twenty years. We have like the 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 press are better, and I feel like even there was a, there was um, a reporter recently I think has gone through the hospital or whatever. But 
um, that they left him alone. Like now, I do feel like you wouldn't be so hounded as much. I do respect your privacy a little so bit. They were more. climbing over your gates. They went Awful. to the psychiatric unit, no, and trying, trying to get to through get those. Yeah, trying to, and uh, we have to have like, obviously protocols in place when my daddy's section that we to protect his privacy. Um, and they were trying to get in. It's, and then we're grieving and going through this ourselves. Traumatized. I was like literally traumatized because obviously we've never done this, and our dad is potentially really poorly. Um, and they were awful. And everyone will say, but that's that's the part and parcel with what comes with being a celebrity and fame. That is what puts me off ever being famous. I wouldn't want that. Because being hounded, followed, like, couldn't even go on holiday, couldn't go to Lakeside. Like we'd have to go out the back back door. Because everyone's, no one used to respect respect that, that we're, we haven't seen my dad in ages. We just want to have a bit of time to go shopping. And then everyone, once one person starts, like a knock-on effect you're hounded and surrounded by people. Does that still people. happen now? Not as badly, like, but it happens where people just take a picture when you're eating and my dad gets upset because like, look, you can have a picture, but just let me, don't take it while I'm eating. <laughs> don't just do that. Honestly, well, I've got all this around my face. like got a mouthful of food. He's like, come over, just when we finish, let me have a meal with my family and then you can come over and do, have as many photos and chat as, as much as you want. But it used to be so bad. Like, my dad didn't have security or anything like that. We didn't have anyone, which I, looking back, we probably should have. Because someone could have just took us. 100%. Really? Like, we had letter bombs. We couldn't open our own post because people, the letter bombing, we was living in that era. Um, so, you couldn't open the letters just No, at one point, because obviously there was like a scare of people sending letter bombs. So, what were you doing? Just giving them someone else to open? Yeah, someone else. Yeah, someone else <laughs> Some poor sod somewhere else was getting blown up. Honestly, it's like, it was. Our life was crazy. Like mental. It, it was mental. And, um, but at the time, as a kid, I knew no different and it was fun. Like there's a little, there's, there's things with my dad's mania that I remember me and my sister were chatting the other week. We're like, we kind of like him a little bit manic, but not the, the full manic because that's when yeah. he's more present and fun or and actually wants to know, like give you a call and ring you. But when he's on a bit of the down, you don't hear from him. You don't, you don't, you're not really interested in whatever you're up to. Very blah. But what I've come to realise, and I think maybe you have too, is that you can't save them. No. No, yeah, you can't. And I spent so many years trying to save so many people and and I felt like I had a duty to care of all of these people mm. and not necessarily the shoe would be on the other foot if it come yeah. to me and it's like, I this, can't that, save you. That is what, do you know what? I had a thought about that the other day. Like, little things like, if God, if I, I don't know why it popped into my head, like if I ever had to go into hospital. Who like, would look after kids? No, seriously, but I like... I love my dad dearly, but I don't think he would be... Like, my mum is my like my best friend. Like, he probably would be like, I'm working. Sorry, I'm a bit busy. I'll come later. Like, um, he's always too busy. And I'm not putting myself out there all the time to run myself into the ground anymore to to be there. Um, because and I've that, got my own family to yeah, take care of. and that of. took me a long time to learn that. Like, even to now, like, we've been filming in here and we've had some people in here on their journey getting there right and they've mm. been really vulnerable and when we finished James is like broken you can't keep saving everyone and funny enough like a few things happened days after and I'm getting phone calls and I'm like it's just but so hard yeah. yeah because yeah. when when you've had that role of like saviour and the figurehead of the family and things you just kind of like take that on yeah but you've um you are like the eptoponym of being a child of a high achiever yeah um how did you find like trying to carve out your identity away from him? It's, I, it honestly has been tough. Like I'm 37 now, and I'm only just becoming really in my 30s successful. Um, I struggled working out what I actually wanted to do. I went to drama school. I thought I was going to try and be an actress and things, and 
I did, there was a point I wanted to try and be famous, like my dad and like make him really proud, but I didn't know what to do. And I, being his daughter, there's always, it's, I, I would lie about my name because I wanted people to get to know me or hire me for me. You know, I didn't so want to. what would you say then? I'd say my na name was Rachel Brown. It's honestly crazy. So I when you're in the acting world, you're coming along as Rachel Brown. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? But then I got to a point, I was like, do you know what? Actually, my dad has... Co contacts. I know. Contacts and has, has got a, had an amazing career, so use it. So now I'm like, I've got into fitness when I was 30, which I should have done years ago. It's like something that, you know, you just... But it wasn't the right time. Um, and I'm, I've become more successful now. I've got my children. Because I think they've given me a drive right. that I knew I never knew I needed. Like, at one point, I probably... There was an opportunity for me to be a stay-at-home mum. I could have done that. Like, my husband could have supported us. But I just wasn't... I didn't feel whole. Like, I love my I children. You. But I didn't feel whole just being with them. I needed me and my own identity. And, like, I've done a lot of work. I'm trying still continue to do a lot of work. But I want to be the best role model and, I'm the mo and, and earn my own money and my own right on this earth. Um, and that's and so applaudable. Yeah. It's amazing. So how did you get into fitness? Because I assume it always was lingering. It was always there and I've yeah. always done it, but I just never really thought of it as a career. And it was like my 30th birthday. So my husband approached me and I've always thought my 30th, going to get a Chanel. Like, no, it could be yeah. really, uh, <laughs> sound really shallow. But We're not from Essex. <laughs> I was like, I really wanted a Chanel handbag for the 30th. And it got to there and he was like, do you want it? And I was like, do you know what? I don't. I was like, he, I, I said, I think I want to do this PT course. And he was like, okay. So then instead of the Chanel, I got the PT course. And I thought to myself, do you know what? If you want it and you earn your money, you can buy it yourself. And I've got to that point now where I could buy it myself and I still haven't. Don't, I don't see the value in it. I just, I've got the girls now. I don't think that's actually, I, I don't need that as a bag now right now. I need a mum bag, you know? And it's, um, I guess it might in the future get one. But I just am so glad I took that PT course seven years ago, that opportunity. Because in these seven years, what I've carved out and and done i'm so proud of not i just want to keep doing more so talk to me the last seven years how's yeah. like you've done this course yeah did it what was that like and then how because i mean you are the trainer for like one of the biggest apps in the world which yeah. is the courtney black app courtney black you app, specialist yeah. in pre and post, pre -and -post yeah so i mean wow i know i mean considering you've only been doing it seven years and then people have been doing it a lifetime i know i give their right arm to be and where I'm, you I'm, are. i think i'm grateful for my acting so i think that wasn't wasted because i think that's helped me on camera and it, it's i've got this natural presence on camera i think that which, which works for the online industry but i also work in person for my own got my own little pt studio bruno fitness Amazing. in essex so i do that as well and then obviously i'm trying to get into i've always never stopped trying to do mental health and trying to do more spread awareness like do podcasts um and and more awareness especially for the carer side of things i want to help try and do but i that's seven years now and i think where could i be in another seven years how important do you think physical fitness or that is important to the whole mental health so so important like that is one of my tools i use to help me i do suffer quite i'm a quite an anxious person quite highly strung and i think like i think all hospitals should have a really good gym unit um, do any of them have that they're not like, good like the ones i've been to my dad they're awful like they're, they're the nhs which is fine but they're, they're really not great gyms at all and I, I think you need that like to get up in the morning and move you haven't got to go and do low even walking go out there and get a bit of fresh air i think it's a really big part of your mental wellness and your journey 
um, can keep you kind of on a, on a level. There is a point where it can come a bit obsessive, I think, but just finding it exercise and using that as a tool is so helpful. Yeah. And I try and tell everyone, get out there and walk, do something. Got to. So how would your clients describe you? Probably mental. Uh, <laughs> see, I read my clients. I get it uh, from my dad. Yeah, I get it from my dad. Crazy. <laughs> so I'm a bit of a beast. I'm not yeah. going to lie. So beast mode. Yeah, clients would say beast mode. Um, do you push them then? I do because I feel like I want to get the best out of my clients. And if I'm not training them, they probably just go in the gym and go on the cross trainer. Nothing running, just going in the cross trainer. But I want them to be conditioned, like be fit, be an all-round health. So we use weights. We use all the conditioning, fun stuff. And... Um, which they might moan and text me and say, I hate you, but <laughs> I just want them to get, and most of them come in hating it, but leave loving it. So they love me for that. And I'm the counsellor as well. I was just about to say that. They yeah. probably come and it's like a bit of, a, of an outlet. I'm I, My personal style of being a personal trainer, I'm a counsellor as well. I'm there for you. Um, I'm not someone that's going to write you a diet plan and tell you to eat a Tupperware, protein oats and all that. That's not me. I am someone that wants to help your mental wellness as well. And I really, I train, I only train women really. Okay. Um, I will, I will train men, but I prefer to train women. And a lot of them are mums. So I, I'm relatable and I want them, mums, to find something for them because you're always spinning so many plates for everyone else. A lot of mums don't put themselves first. And it's got to be enjoyable, right? Otherwise yeah. you're just punishing yourself in another form. Like I feel like I've done it before. I've done the whole bodybuilding uh, weight loss program for my wedding. and I don't. How enjoy... long was that for? Oh, I did it for like, I did a whole, I did it for a year before the wedding. Jesus. I, I, honestly, now I'm traumatised by it. It's triggered What do you me. mean? What did you do? It's like eating protein oats with water. Like, for a year? Oh, I, I can't. It, it, makes me, it makes me gag when I think about it. I, but I, yeah, I was lean and I, I looked good. Were you happy? But mentally, I wasn't in the the best shape and I went into my pregnancy of my first daughter in a really bad headspace with my body um, because I was so punished lean, it. and I'd, I'd put it under so much stress that I probably now think I've given myself IBS because of that because of the way I treated so it so when you then got pregnant did you hit the fuck it switch like I'm gonna eat everything I was huge Honestly, I struggle to God. believe that you guys can't see how little she is and small at the moment but I yeah. literally ballooned and then I had this thing I, I, I put on about four and a half stone you think in nine months and it's like because I've been so strict for that, that year prior and, then, and my body just absorbed it all and I was well I was reading this thing as well it's like we think our body is just this machine but it's also got like it needs this ability to like trust us and know like yeah. the times in my life where I've gone through I listen do you know what it's really interesting we're having this conversation because I don't care what you say yeah every single woman has some kind of form of body dysmorphia or 100%. image related stuff yes and my when I got pregnant was the only time I can say I healed with my body because I couldn't skip breakfast because I was being so sick that I was projecting that I had to have to. something in. I yep. had to not because I'd override hunger and just just ignore how it. How many women don't, honestly, I think women should ask, how many women probably don't, they don't really eat breakfast, they don't have time, skip meals. And to be in that. Like, so, so, you, so what I found is like with that starvation, you yeah. came in the fight or flight. Yeah. And it's actually when I started to eat regularly and like, because I'd hit the fuck it switch. Oh, I've not, now I've eaten. Oh, I've had a lasagna because lasagna's so bad because it's, it's a carb. Not, it? I might as well have the chips. I might as well have the crease and I'm going to finish off. I'm going to have a family yeah. bag of galaxy because <laughs> I've hit the fuck it switch. Yeah. Whereas now it's like you can just enjoy that part. And so, yeah, I was reading somewhere uh -huh. as well. Like the more you actually start to nourish your body, 
body, the less it holds on to it. And you'll yeah. get better results. Because like, if you're constantly badging and abusing your body, doing these HIIT workouts, constant craziness, right? Your body's going to hold, it's releasing cortisol, stress hormone all the time. So then you, that's when a lot of people say, I can't lose that last little bit of something because you're, in, you're, you're, you're putting your body under too much stress. If you actually look after it, nourish it, eat, eat food, nourish it, train, you can train hard, but you've got to do the rehabilitation work as well, like the, the yoga, even go swimming, the, the, the less impact stuff, walking. You haven't got to abuse your body all the time to get results. Is there a certain message or the same kind of like layout or schedule that you give to people or like what if you could pass a few things on to your clients yeah. what what do you really try and ham home into them I just want them to one thing is do something for you because a lot of mums are always making it like I'm not saying it's bad to make an excuse but they will always find a reason why they can't exercise right so and I know I I work I do work but I me and my husband we have we train right you've got so I I always have a blanket you've got to do it get yourself three sessions in a week Get out there, even if you've got to, once you put the kids to bed, your husband's in for work or whatever, you go out there and you do your steps. Get your step count in and nourish. Don't start picking at your kids' foods because then people go to, often go to me, oh, I can't lose weight. I'm like, so what have you eaten actually eaten today? Like you grazed on your kids' food, a chicken nugget or a sausage or something that you don't actually want. It's cold. It's not even that nice. So actually make yourself a hot meal. You, and they go, you haven't got time. You have. Make it when you're making the kids' food. That's what I do. I eat my dinner really early. So if anyone asked me to come out for dinner at seven, I would tell them no. Because <laughs> no. I'm like, are you mental? Seven, 7 p.m. That is be- I saw this meme. It was like, <laughs> there are two types of people in this world. It's nine o'clock and it's only nine o'clock. Yeah, I, I'm, I eat my dinner with my kids at like half three, four. Like when they get in school, we, I cook, we eat then. So you're telling me to go out and eat at seven. I'm even. Like, <laughs> you are wild. <laughs> I'm having a wild night if you see me in a restaurant at seven. Yeah. So like, just try it. I know it's hard, but eat with your kids and that. Like make your dinner with them and that will stop you grazing on theirs that's extra calories that you're not accounting for yeah you know so talking about your fitness you've got a big challenge coming up next may haven't you do you want to tell us a little bit about it how you got roped into this one roped into it yeah thanks brogan um (laughs) so i got roped into fighting for brogan's charity yes you did the wickers charity so it's on the 10th of may the devere connell rooms there's over 600 people in a room What's happening? When's right. camp? Talk me through the next well, few I, months. I'm, I'm, I'm starting things now. I'm, I want to start on my fitness and conditioning, but I'm, we're going to go into camp in January. I'm taking it. I am so excited to take this seriously, right? I'm going to stop drinking. Yeah. I love a wine. I am a wine. I'm a personal trainer that loves a wine. I don't think that's off limits. Human. So, yeah, I'm human. Yeah, yeah I'm human. Uh, so I'm actually going to take it really seriously. I'm going to go on a proper fight camp. I'm going to get the right nutritionist. I'm going to eat well, have the right good trainer. And I'm going to take it seriously because I I've, I can box. My dad always was like, you're good at boxing, but I've never been here. So that is going to be a shock. Like, I've actually got to get here. So, that's gonna, that's, so it's going to be scary, isn't it? How do you think you'll feel getting in the ring? Already I'm nervous. Like I am having like freaking out, but I'm going to be doing some good meditation. <laughs> I'm going like, to do this next to the stage. <laughs> Can Rachel come in the ring? I'm going to do something. Because, oh, listen, let's not fuck about, right? You're hey, Frank Bruno's daughter. You can't good. get knocked out. I can't lose. I, I can't lose. I, I, I literally cannot lose this. So it's embarrassing if I lose. No, 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 no. no, no. It's in my no, head already. Rebe- I can't lose. Can't. Your dad would be like, she wasn't mine anyway. <laughs> You're like, yeah, she's not mine. Disowned. Disowned. Will he come watch you? Yes. He. Uh, well, he says he is. We're, gonna, we're hoping he'll be there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell his PA that he's okay. got to keep his schedule free. Um, I'm probably, be honest, I've got already loads of people. My mum's devastated. She's like, 
she's Maybe we'll put them two different ends of the room. Well, yeah, we, I probably will have to put the separate, I might have to get two tables so yeah. my mum can go on one, my dad can go on the other, awkward. Um, will you ask him for advice? I have, so I have already, and he said to me, you've got to get fit and you need to stop drinking. I was like, oh, cheers, dad. Um, which I'm fit, I am, like, I will, I love a challenge and I think this has not come at a better time. Like I'm going to be 38 next year. I want to get in peak fitness in my 40th already. So I want to set myself a challenge that I've not done before. Well, you've just done all the challenges, haven't you, by becoming this far in your know, career yeah. in seven years. So it's like, this and is the next step. I want more. And I want to be able to show mums out there that your life is not over when you have a kid. Like You yeah. can set, like if you want to do a challenge, you want to go and run a marathon, you can do it. Obviously, it's going to be really difficult for me to get training in. I'm probably going to have to do it in the evenings, which I'm in bed usually by eight. <laughs> so that's going to be a bit of a shock. You're going to like close your eyes and virtually box in bed. So I, but I'm going to do it. I'm like, why not? Why shouldn't I do something for me now? But it was you know? so interesting because we had this discussion offline and we were just talking about the podcast and stuff. And we both said, oh, I just wish I'd started earlier. Right. And yeah. we're both we're both parents. Right. But I almost, like, and obviously, and I feel like obviously there's so many people heading the curve of what I'm doing, and you probably felt the same, like in the fitness space, but yeah. no one's you. I know. And you've gone on to prove that in seven years to be at like one of the peak trainers in your industry yeah. to fight at this kind of event. So I think for any mums that are listening to yeah, us, it's never too it's late. It's never too late. No. And like, it's ridiculous, Rachel, right? So we're going to live till we're what, 100? And we're sitting there at 30, and I'm like, do you know what? Stephen Bartlett's got it sorted. This one's... Who needs me? Yeah, do you know but what? I, no, no. See, but I you're, think, you're you. Yeah, you're you. And also, at the minute, when we're in a generation where people, a lot of young people are becoming really successful young. So I think that's around us a lot. But I am someone who's 37 and, and, and only really got into my career later. It's never, ever too late. And there's no, then you're right. There isn't, there isn't someone that's you. So your uniqueness and you is your power. So go out there. If you want to start a new career, you can do it. Obviously, I think you have to work double, double the work when you're a mum. You do. You have to. Like, but I think they kind of push you as well because you think you, you work even harder, yeah. right? What was life meant to look like for you? Little young Rachel that we saw on that videotape, which we're going to throw the clip in here. Oh. What, what did you think life was going to look like? If you'd asked me that when I was younger, um, I thought I was going to be famous, like a famous movie star. I wanted to be on the stage. Um, that's why I went to drama school. I wanted to be an actress. Um, that is what I would have wanted uh, when I was younger. But actually, now I'm living the life that I dreamed of. I am. Like, I've got the most amazing husband. Obviously, marriage isn't easy. You have to work it. But we are, we've got two beautiful girls. We've got two dogs now. We're both successful financially secure and I'm living my dream life so you're you're getting there I'm getting there no I am yeah, yeah. getting there yeah or are you there no getting there getting okay, there okay so yeah. what's the next bit then what's the there the there is because the there always moves right we've come to work on this show right it's like yeah. so I'm like oh do you know what I've got here now <laughs> No, but then I'm like, oh no, I want this X amount more. I want yeah, we, and that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, we should never stop working uh, yeah. and striving for that more. We shouldn't. And no one really yeah. gets there. So no. what's the there then? God, come, you the tell there? me you're there because next week, next year you'll come back and go, I've done that. God, what is the there to keep building on my my own little PT studio and just working on me? Like I want to be the best mentally stable mother mummy I can be for my girls so that is what I want to work on and get there just so I can be the most supportive stable mum for them I think we've had such an interesting conversation because it's like you're juggling so many plates like you're really spreading the awareness on the mental health yeah. the fitness you've got all these challenges coming up 
let's bring you back mid-camp and yeah. let's see what's happening. Let's see yeah. how you felt to get punched in the face. If I, do you know what? Because I, I, I have got that inner fight in me. I'm well, a you'll bit, be like, yeah, I, I think and then I'm going to be like, do you know what? But then you've got to control it, haven't you? That's the thing with boxing. You just can't go ham on a face. No. I, can't, I won't be able to breathe. I'll be puffing out, I'll be blowing out of my ass if I do that. So I literally, it'd be interesting see how fitness wise. Will you want to know who your opponent is? Yeah, because I want to do my research. In oh, case I, you, I, we don't tell yeah. you till a week before. No. Yeah. <laughs> You ain't going to get me some hell, girl. Are you? No. Right, I'm listen. Scared. There's something in that bag for you. In here? It's for you. Everyone gets excited. It's not from Letter Porter, but it's better. Um, for all of our guests that come on here, they yeah. get a little something to take away. Oh, my God. Didn't know this. Oh, no. How do I open the box? Come on the show. You get a free. Get a gift. <laughs> I'll be seeing a chunk of them on eBay soon. Wow, RBH. Oh, lovely. I've not got anything personalised with my, my mate married though. Oh, you do? Oh. What is it? Oh, my God. You're almost there. Yeah, getting How there. How cool is that? A little compass. Give me goosebumps. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's like, because the, yeah. the compass I liked it because it's the journey, it's right? the journey. Oh, my God. Well, that thank you amazing. for coming on. Oh